0: Yo, 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 it's X, and welcome to What's Out Media. Corey, how you doing today, brother? Doing good. hope you're doing well as well. Doing great. Today, we got a special guest, Tommy G. McGee. Tommy, one, two, three. How you doing today, Tommy G? I'm good, man. Life is beautiful. Word. So, Tommy, please let us know, where are you from? Where are you
1: located? I'm from Crystal Lake, Illinois, I, but I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin.
0: I've lived here the last six seven actually eight years now so i've been here a while nice 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 um tommy g uh you can check him out You can also check out his merch his merch is amazing big dogs gotta eat he got ski masks he's got he's got uh shirts he's got caps he's got a lot of shit man he's got a great oh, yeah. stuff man i
1: love the ski mask man i know that the uh there might be a day where the police want to contact me and be like you know there's been a lot of uh, bank heists with big dogs that eat face masks, but um, I have a First Amendment right, so just as Nike wouldn't get
0: investigated, I won't either. So we'll see how that goes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So Tommy makes amazing documentaries. We're gonna to talk to him just about his growth as a creator, um, and just him as a person and how he's grown as a person as well. So Tommy, let's let's take, let's kick it back to Illinois. What type of kid mm. were you? I was a goofball
1: dude I was always and a, and an athlete so I was always playing sports always kind of trying to make the class laugh and getting into a little bit of trouble but nothing serious like I wasn't a bad kid I just probably was either bored or rambunctious a lot of the time in school.
0: Would you say the class clown or just goofy?
1: I would say the, cl- try yeah, to that's be what the I tried like a lot of times I would I would uh, hold that title I would say.
0: Word word word. And what type of area did you grow up in? How would you describe the area that you like grew up yeah, in?
1: Yeah, I grew up in a relatively new suburb that was probably the most white bread place you could imagine, like Applebee's America, you know? And yeah, I mean, it was nice. Like there was definitely like there was pockets of like there was a gated community nearby that like that was like the super rich kids lived there. Then there's a lot of middle class folks. And then there might have been like a little bit of um, I don't want to say trailer, but like there was a little pocket of town too. Um, Maybe that was Lake in the Hills, not my town, Crystal Lake, but it was a very nice childhood. Like the things I see every day in Milwaukee, I didn't even know existed. You know what I mean? Like I never had to worry walking down the street. I never was like, oh man, that car has been sitting there too long. Like um, it was a very easy childhood because I got to, like my parents were very encouraging and supportive and I just got to run free a lot, like go to the pond and catch snapping turtles or, you know, go play football. It was just Uh, very very nice childhood
0: great great to hear uh so what would be your sport of choice did you were you like a guy who went to different sports tried different sports out or did you know like right on um, this sport i loved baseball football
1: and wrestling but then when when wrestling as i got older and i wrestled more and more like i just knew that this was this is what i was good at just the sport where not necessarily like your physical gifts stood out, but like how hard you worked. And I feel like, uh, like I'm definitely an athlete, but I am a grinder too. And so that was just important. When you put the two together, you really can become successful. And Like I'm never going to be a pro football player. Maybe I would have played like special teams or something like, but a guy, my size, I guess I could have bulked up, but I wasn't fast enough, you know, but wrestling, if you are a grinder and you can just put the pace on people and just physically beat the shit out of them, you're going to be okay
0: and the conditioning is crazy for wrestling. Uh, So when did you start wrestling?
1: When I was 10 years old, third grade, a kid uh, had the biggest biceps on the little league baseball team. And we're like, Reese, what do you do, man? And he's like, I'm a wrestler. So we went to a kid's club, the Chris Lake wizards, which is one of the biggest and, and best clubs in the country for kids. It's like, I think there was 200 kids in that club. And which is a lot. Like I've coached wrestling clubs where you only have, you know, 12 people showing up. So Uh, very fortunate and then so many d1 athletes came out of that program so it was like from a young age exposed to a good level of of kids and competition competition
0: without a doubt iron sharpens iron um i feel Mm -hmm. like wrestling is really common in the midwest would you agree to that yeah man i feel like a lot of it is because of our winter conditions
1: like you know, there's no other sport you really can enjoy that unless it's an indoor sport. And I think the Midwest grind mentality is like you show up, you farm, you head to the factory, you do whatever job it is, and you just you do it till it's done. And that's kind of the wrestling
2: mentality. So that did you a- find that grinding my, a mentality through wrestling or is that something you always had?
1: I mean, I think it's something I always liked working hard. Like I was a kid that loved practice and I didn't even like competing that much for a lot of uh my childhood, just because I got too nervous, you know, but I love practice, I would look forward to going to practice and grinding it out. And wrestling is probably the single greatest influence in my life. And it's what has empowered me to do a lot of the things that I do. So from, you know, when I got I, I wrestled all the way through college, and I got my first sales job, they they put me in the territory that nobody wanted, because they were terrified, they put me in the hoodiest of the hood. And I felt like, okay, like, I'm going to just be myself, I'm going to smile. And if it's one-on-one I think I feel okay and that just gave me the confidence to to walk around and and then it's like you know you're heading to underground tunnels in Las Vegas and you're going to sketchy-ass places all over the country
0: and it just I was just showing my grandma that one I was like yeah I was like oh my goodness you talked to the dude with who was making the knives and the the axes I'm like
2: (laughs) yo what in the world (laughs) yeah so i think so you're saying that that wrestling also like translates to now your uh public uh documentaries and pranks right
1: definitely and it's not like i'm like it's impossible to beat my ass but i feel like it's gonna take a special person (laughs) that's on the streets to do that and most of the people i think that could beat my ass are in a fight gym and they would never beat my ass because you just don't fight out of the gym you know
0: right what type of student would you say you were
1: Oh, I tried but I, like math and science always was a little difficult for me like oh when you get into trigonometry and calculus it was just it just I could try and bully myself into trying to figure it out but it just was like what the hell is this you know so I I'm wasn't gonna that. gonna be an engineer or a scientist or anything like that. Um, where did you go to college? I went to Whitewater, Wisconsin which is a D3 school uh, that's known for really high level of sports, like national champions in football, basketball, wheelchair, basketball, gymnastics. Um, okay. My first three years there as a team, and for wrestling, we were ranked, uh, I think we took second, third, and then fourth in the nation my first three years there. So wow. we were about to make a dynasty, and then um this is going to be a, probably a story for another time, but a scandal broke where basically a recruit was visiting the school, and the coach got a call in the middle of the night from the, a, a manager's mom and said, hey, Griffin was raped by the recruit. And so he did the right thing. He took the recruit into the police station, got him tested. It turned out the kid was completely innocent, but the administration wanted him to, the coach to put things under the rug and not take responsibility for it. So they blackballed him, they fired him. And then things changed a little bit at Whitewater. But it was just, it was so crazy to watch someone do the right thing and make the tough call. Cause it's not easy to say like, Hey, this may have happened under kind of my leadership. I'm gonna take responsibility for it, and to watch him get uh, shoved under the rug was um, infuriating. I hated the administration, and uh, I think they all like died of uncomfortable causes too. Which I don't wish that upon
0: anyone, but I feel like karma caught up to them. You know, I feel on that one. That that that's dark, but I definitely feel on that one. you are good. You are good. My my question to you is how was that transition? So after, you know, seeing someone of leadership and in, 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 like, did you look up to him? He's like a mentor to you to coach to you, like do the right thing. And then get penalized for it. How did you feel personally? And how oh, did your just, team feel? Just a lot of anger and a lot of,
1: you know, fuck you to the administration. Cause they would bring us in. And now that I'm older and I've seen, like, I've been part of big companies and I've seen how like HR department type folks operate like the lady that call us in for the meeting and she doesn't address any of our questions and she talks around the issues like i just can't take like a lot of those hr department type people or, or organizations in a company because they just uh look someone in the eye and tell them the truth how about that that's i'll respect right. you if you do that but like when you beat around the bush and you know you did something wrong it's like okay what was her name amy something other amy Me okay, anyways.
0: Um, question uh, well, or not quite, yeah, what advice would you give to someone looking for a school? What if they're a wrestler? What if they're what if they feel like after hearing just how you were as a student, they feel like I feel like I'm in Tommy G's spot? What, What advice would you give them?
1: I would say, one is if you feel like something outside of college is calling to you, that that's entirely reasonable. I think the narrative is gone that you need to go to college to be successful, but if you do go. I would say culture is important. And so like I toured, I went on some college visits to places that were very religious. That's not me. I went to places that uh, didn't have that winning, like they were very academically good, but they were shitty at wrestling. And so I feel like, um, and the other thing is you just have to trust your gut. Whitewater was the school that my dad, my pop actually went to. So I thought that was the one school that I wouldn't go to. Like, I'm not going to go to the school that my pop went to. But when I toured the campus, you just sometimes get that feeling in your gut and you trust it and i just i felt it and i i pulled the trigger on it and so um, i would say usually your your body's telling you something for a reason so consider it and and probably act on it is a good idea
2: sounds good sounds good so you mentioned your uh, father i want to know what's your what your parents
1: so i my pop was um a very great man he passed when i was a senior in high school and he he's going to be big shoes to, to live up, live up to as a dad, because he was always there for athletics. Like I'm for the wrestling tournament world was like this. you um, wake up at like 5.00 AM on a Saturday, you drive to wherever the tournament was. Maybe it's an hour, maybe it's three hours away and you weigh in, then you go eat. And then you go, you know, it starts about nine or 10 AM. And then you might wrestle until three or 5.00 PM. And to think he worked his ass off during the week, And without complaining, without anything, wakes up super early, sits in bleachers all day, just to support me and and my brother. It just means a lot. It means a lot to me. And I want to be that guy when I'm a dad. I want to be very involved. I want to be open up doors for them. I don't want to make, I don't want to be um, like, you know, you're 16. Here's a Mercedes. Like, I don't think that's a good Mm -hmm. strategy, but I want to be,
0: oh, you want to try this opportunity? I'm going to make sure you can do that. Feel that. Questions, Tommy. I've been in the same shoes around the same area. I think I was a junior when my grandfather passed. He was like my father figure. What type of adversity did you go through your senior year?
1: You know, that one, that's, I would say, because I was so focused on trying to win a state title and I had a built-in brotherhood with the team and my coaches, you know, I was very close to all of them. I didn't really deal with the grief of losing my dad until – maybe five or six years after it happened and then like when I, and then when I actually confronted it it hit me so hard and um so it's weird how you don't you don't look at something right away and then all of a sudden like how fresh and painful it can be and so um I don't know if you guys have ever had an experience like that but it was weird to me that it maybe didn't hit right away but I think it was just because you know then I went straight to college I had so many new things to distract me We again it was trying to be national champions and so uh, it was weird to me the timing
0: of when I really stopped to think about it yeah I think I feel the same way when I was uh, so my grandfather passed when I was a junior and I was just so focused on rowing I got to college for rowing wow. and then I was like dreaming and I had a dream that like I was talking to him and it was like a real ass conversation and then that's where it hit me I'm like oh my and this is like three years after it happened and I'm like I didn't even practice that day that's how like fuck that was I was just like oh my goodness it felt so real you know what I'm saying so I totally get you man I totally get that bro
1: it's I think the dream thing is interesting I don't dream I feel like that often but part of me does like I would pray a lot for oh man I wish I could have a nice dream with him or, or revisit it and that dream world is a whole nother category but it is interesting how they things can visit you out of nowhere and
0: really really impact you and leave an impression on you. Without a doubt, without a doubt. How would you say, you know, your college grind, going for national championships, top ranked D3 program? How was that? How was that experience? I know we talked a little bit about the coach, but how was it with the boys? How was it just grinding it out?
1: I loved it, man. Really uh, wrestling. And then I um, also, I launched a little business when I was a junior in college, but those two experiences what made college, the rest of college kind of was worthless to me, but wrestling was so much. And I left nothing. Uh, like I, I emptied out my gas tank and my quest to be a champ. And, uh, my, my senior year I beat. So I beat the national champ twice. I beat the fifth place and the sixth guy, sixth place guy, uh, pretty handedly, but just how I wrestled that year, I just didn't, I, I made it to the national tournament and my junior and senior year, I made it to the blood round, which is if you win, you're an all American, if you lose, you're not. And I lost those that match both times, but, um, but what I really took out of that was I, I, I have no regrets because I worked so, so hard. Like my junior year, I would cut 13 or 14 pounds every single week, getting a workout in the morning, getting a workout at night, staying super disciplined on my diet, not partying. And so it was like I went for it and I didn't didn't fall in my favor. But like I can hang my hat on my effort, which is the only thing you really ever can do. Number right. Like,
2: that, that's great. You know. That's what and
1: I, I
0: what, always is play the cards you're dealt and to the end, fight yeah. to the end, and whatever it goes, whatever situation happens, that that, that is what it is. What were you about so to say, Corey? I
2: was just about to ask, what was that first business that you uh, started?
0: So
1: at a wrestling camp, I'm there's a son of an Olympic gold medalist, and he uh, was a semi pro football player, and so we had this uh, this website in the wrestling world. It was called Flow Wrestling. It's still around, but it's evolved since then. Um, and basically what it was when it started was just techniques. So if you wanted to watch what the Russians are doing, if you wanted to watch what the Iranians, the best guys in the United States. Go ahead.
2: Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, so it's like a variety of like techniques given all to like one uh, database. That's really nice.
1: Yeah. And so we thought, you know what? There's no, there's nothing like this in the football world. And he had the football background and I just was hungry to start a business. And so we ran with that. We worked with a decent amount of, low-level pros, like guys that you probably have never heard of, but guys out of the um, NIU, the Huskies, the Northern Illinois College. And so we worked with a lot of guys that were like, you know, third-string quarterback or practice squad linebacker, you know, a couple guys that were good but finished. And it was really fun going through that process. I pitched a business at a pitch competition, got some uh, startup money, and I got to cold call NFL guys and try and get them to meet up with me to, to do this. But Eventually, the guy that I was partnering with uh, got hired as a coach at a school at a college, and I don't have a passion for football, so I was like, you know what? I think I'll take the lessons I learned and
0: let's move on to the next one so it kind of fizzled out after that, yeah we're so let's talk about getting into the corporate world. You're not the first uh, content creator we've talked to who's been in the uh, you know who's been in corporate and then it was like, yo, I don't know if this is my this is my uh, you know sp- you know what I'm saying? It's yes. not my path. Yeah,
1: I don't feel like almost anyone feels like it is. I think if you if you guys are familiar with the story of the frog and the boiling water, where if you throw a frog, mm, please share, please share. If you throw a frog in a boiling water right now, it'll just hop out and get out. But if you put it in the the pot of water and slowly heat it up, degree by degree. It doesn't notice it and then it it, it that it's is getting boiled. cooked
0: yeah and that's okay.
1: kind of how it is in the corporate world like it just slowly creeps up on you and if you don't jump then all of a sudden you know 20 years from now you're for in your 40s or 50s with some job that you really don't give a shit about but that's all you know and that's what you're stuck in and just like i how did i grow up wanting to like be like steve irwin or be the next athlete or be film videos and then now i'm fucking bob at selling printers which is nothing wrong with selling printers but if that's not if you know you're meant for something more and you settle it's just a very scary experience to think like how am I going to get out of this or is this all life's meant to be and so I struggled with it certainly I also learned a lot of sales skills which are helpful in different aspects now but I think the coolest thing out of that journey is realizing like you might not know it, what what's happening in, in this chapter of your life right now may very well feed into the next chapter but you don't see it until after it happens so what where it hit for me was i told you i came from like the most like middle class white bread place there and then they put me into the most incarcerated zip code in the country where when i would show up like dudes would think I was in the FBI and they would think like, and I was just like, no, 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 I'm just Tom from paychecks. I just want to, you know, I, I did payroll for businesses. So daycares, home health cares, restaurants, things like that. Yeah. And that experience was tremendous for me now, because now I'm going to these places where like there's 55 blicks in a, you know, in a group and I'm comfortable. And I would in never video. have gotten there
0: <laughs> if I didn't have that experience. Without a doubt. So when you did the most dangerous, you know, uh, most dangerous zip code, uh, so you had some contacts right from there. Was that, was he, did he go to a school or where did you have the contact? That was the businessman. He was the ex basketball player. Uh, yeah,
1: we'd done some, we'd worked on some real estate together. He does contracting the Milwaukee here. He does a, a lot of different things, but, um, we had worked on a house together and I was just, you know, every time i meet with him. Um, like he was a kind of guy that he he sometimes takes a bodyguard with him. So like this big dude from Louisville, I would talk to and just talk about random ideas. And I'm like, huh, I think I'm going to do a a documentary about this zip code. Do you know anyone from there that I can talk to? He's like me. I'm like, oh,
0: cool. Let's do it. That's dope. That's dope. So I think that's amazing. So you were able to still get a lot of, uh, learning and a lot of experience out of the corporate field. So it helped you a lot on this path where, I mean, i love your videos because i don't know what's coming up next week you could be in las vegas you could be with, with some witches you could be with you left and right left and right so can and you? there's talk also about, no
2: bullshit. yeah no I bullshit at all. no bullshit <laughs>
0: that's my so, mission man
1: that's my mission is i don't want you to be able to predict out what's coming out next and then nothing is fake nothing is you i, I don't want to be that youtube guy that's everything's real which is easy because then you never have to
0: lie and so it's it's an easy way to do it I feel that so let's talk a little bit about that process when uh, I know you started with some music I know uh, oh man I, I'm, I'm lost for it though but I, I watched some of your music videos what made that change and what when did you start doing that so when I was a junior in high
1: school we started smoking this stuff called spice or red magic which was like synthetic weed and I just did it cause I thought, oh, well it's legal and I'm scared to get, you know, if I ever got drug tests, I'm scared to smoke weed. When in reality, that spice stuff was crazy. I can't believe it was legal, <laughs> but um, so I would, we would smoke that and drive around and put on a beat and just freestyle. And we do that sometimes for hours. And and then I would do that all through college. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna record some stuff. But I think I came to the realization that although I love rapping, I'm not gonna be the guy that sells out an arena. I'm just not, you know? And then I started doing prank videos. And that was a lot of fun. That was a four-year period or so. And had a lot of fun doing it. But for whatever it was, the YouTube algorithm just never really smiled on me. With with the exception of like one series, the Hella Sus Rap in you know, the Hood, where I pretended to be uh, <laughs> a fake rapper and then say some homo bars. Yeah. Uh, that took off. And then, and then y'all did that in an old block, which is crazy. Like <laughs> oh, I was I was definitely scared, man. I almost pussied out of that because as soon as we got in there, it was such a chaotic scene and Like there's fights going on and just different stuff. I'm just like, I don't know if this is a good idea, you know? So I also have now made the rule that I'm not going to do any more videos with minors just because they're so reckless. Like the St. Louis video, they just, they're always, they're strapped up. They have no idea what they're doing. They have so much like testosterone and just bravado. And they're just trying so hard to flex that now I'm just doing stuff with the kind of the OGs of the area. That's the new the new idea
2: so is there any like video that you've done or location that you're just like i can't be doing that again yeah i
1: went to the border of texas and mexico and i was interviewing some kids that were i guess you could call them coyotes but really they transported illegals from eagle pass to san antonio and i was meeting them in some like the back of some abando and they were all strapped up and just way too, like, casual about what they were doing and just no, like, they, I think it was a front, but, like, zero empathy, zero, and I just, like, I just ended that interview early. I'm like, all right, guys, thank you, and I just, I couldn't take it anymore. Like, I just, these guys were too sloppy. Like, they would stand up, and one of their guns would fall out of their pocket. And I was just like, mm, oh yeah, no. these guys are stupid, and, and then you'd hear, like, someone just walking in the hallway up to where we were, and it's like, are we about to get set up? Like, can you at least tell us, yo, like, you know, Roberto's on his way. So I know fucking when footsteps are coming, that something's going on. So just, um, I guess I want to, like, I will only, I'll go to any place, but I want to make sure that the person that's bringing me in there cares at least a little bit about me and my crew. And if we make it out, like if they're so casual that they can't even give us the, uh, like courtesy of letting us know what's going on, then it's like, ah, probably not a good match, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i feel that i think one of the greatest things that you do and it probably is due to like sales and just your experience and just you you personalize like some sketchy individuals you know what i'm saying like i think for the most part people would be like oh i don't know about that i don't know about going over here i don't know about going to a cookhouse you know what i'm saying but in like vice would do that back in the day but the way you do it is just like more approachable and less i don't know Do you know what i'm saying with that yeah, I think
1: and I luckily no one's really come at me for this because I was wondering if they if some people would like humanizing a guy that deals fentanyl or just treating him like a normal guy or like I do I have one coming out soon that's on the block with pimps and prostitutes and like I don't I'm not dissing the pimps and like I'm not like you guys are a bunch of bastards or bad guys or whatever. And and actually you see like I think most people are decent people and I think a lot of this is driven by economic circumstance but that's not the whole thing I mean you get to choose hey I'm going to be a pimp or not it's not like there's there's other options besides that so I'm not just excusing it but a lot of these people are pretty decent people that I feel like are just surviving in the way that they figure out and I think another thing I'm learning about like even a a lot of these gangster dudes is like the amount of traumatic events they've witnessed from a young age, if I saw five people be murdered between the time I was eight and 15, I saw someone like beat my mom or like, there's so many things that I think we're not realizing what these kids are seeing. And you realize, oh, I can kind of see why he's desensitized to things. I can kind of see why he doesn't care if he steals your car or he shoots his up. Why would he if he grew up in a in a way? Yeah, if you're be-
2: surrounded by that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. And I think I, I would love to see ideas on how to tackle that because like one of the questions I think about all the time is like, if I was president or mayor, how would I help the north side of Milwaukee? How would I, what could I do? But I think a lot of it, there's government things you can do, but also I think any real movement has to come from the individual and spread up the go- daddy government's not going to solve our problems. They can't even, they just create more. So I don't, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm never going to sit back and let the government think that what they do is probably going to fix much, you know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I
0: think I was looking straight at, I mean, the dangerous zip code in America, that video kind of narrows it down exactly. Like you see the guys, you know, the, the rappers and the ops and all that, like, and they had guns, but I can still see like, this is a kid that's like just in a bad situation. And I understand what what's going on, but you know he's choosing this, and he knows he. I think they're pretty clear on the life that they've chosen, yeah. and then you see, you know, this entrepreneur, ex, you know, D one basketball player, trying to make moves and help better his community. It's great to see that. There's also the other one where uh, I, I'm getting these all these videos in the one, yeah. but like uh, the uh, you talk to this older gentleman uh, at the end of the video. yeah Mm
1: -hmm. yeah so that st louis one i think is a good example um and by the way i got an update recently so that st louis video you guys remember that one white boy in the crew yeah he's in jail for first degree murder right now he and i think a couple other members of that crew have done stuff since that video and um but yeah talking to that i like to provide that contrast because like i just it didn't sit right with me leaving st louis with just interviewing that crew So I literally left Arkansas at like 5 a.m. to stop in St. Louis before I went back to Milwaukee to link up with that, that fighter because I thought his story was worth telling. And it does go to show we have a lot of personal freedom to choose our route. That fighter was a good dad, a good worker, I'm sure a good coach at his gym, A good like he's just a man that you'd want in your community, a man that you'd want in your circle. And I think success is universal meaning like I don't think I don't think it matters if you're a man, woman, black, white, gay, straight, I don't care any of those factors if you there's there's habits of success that if you follow this, chances are gonna be really good and if you follow these other rules, you're gonna you're gonna have a fucked up life and so uh, that guy has chosen to be accountable and that guy's choosing to make the right moves and like I know, uh, former bank ro- I know a former bank robber that's a millionaire. I know a former murderer that's a six-figure business owner. I know drug dealers that are now six-figure guys in real estate. So to me, it's just uh, like, man, there's so many paths out there, but it's just exposing kids to a path that
0: they probably don't get to see as much. Yeah. Showing opportunity. Redemption is possible for any man, as, but they got to see the opportunity and they got to see some type of, you know, uh, some route to get yes. there. So I definitely understand that. Um, let's talk about the Kia boys. That's probably oh, one of the yeah. biggest like blow ups, like uh, probably the whole summer. I think everybody was sharing this left and right. Uh, this was just a just a cry. This is a trend that's probably been a thing for years, right? Yes. And what, what came what baited your attention and what, what came to mind when you're like, yo, I'm about to just I'm about to do this. I knew
1: of the Kia boys for probably a year or so before I ever filmed that video. And it always intrigued me. Cause like these guys, when you see them driving around, they're so, so reckless. They're, they're swerving into the wrong lane. And they just like, they love doing this with this steering wheel. It's like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> that's one of their fun things that they, they do. And like you hear, they just will they'll go through a red light at 80 miles an hour. They'll just T-bone people like they've crashed through the front of people's houses. I was just like, man, like, this is wild. And it's happening in my own backyard. I just didn't know any of these guys. So as soon as I got a connection into one, it was just like, boom, I I met him the next week. And
0: that video changed my life. So let's talk about that. In the video you show, they give you kind of a demonstration. And see, I would have never known anything like that. Uh, how did you feel? Like just him demonstrating in your car, like how to jack your car with a USB. Yeah, I don't have one on me right now, but yeah, a USB.
1: It
0: was it was an
1: interesting moment because on one end, like that that conversation we had had the funniest moment of the video. Like when he said, like I said, how do you feel about uh you picture me at my house crying because you stole my car? Like, and he's like, Well, shit. I'm like, what? He's like, you should have insurance. I'm like, what if I don't have insurance? He's like, well, you should. It's illegal not to. And so, like, to me, it's a sad and like funny moment at the same time because on one end, like, I see so much potential in that kid. He's smart. He's reckless. Which to me, if you drive recklessness in a good direction, like you're, you could be an entrepreneur. You could be a cage fighter. You could be a stand-up comedian. And so, like, I see a lot of gifts in this kid, but then also like if you follow his trajectory, if he doesn't change, like it's a very predictable end for that kid. So, and then I did get a little bit of flack for that part. And in that moment, I mean, that was the first documentary I've really ever made. So I wasn't like, I'm still, I'm still at the bottom of the staircase and learning, I'm I'm going, I'm going higher and higher and learning how to be better at this field. But um, I didn't think like, oh man, how many more keys will be stolen because kids watch this. And I'm sure there's been some, like, I'm not going to deny that.
0: Yeah. So I was going to tell you in Cleveland, they actually showed that that clip on the news and All then, over. yeah. So weeks later, it's just a spike. Now they got it on bulletin boards like, look, don't keep your charger in your, in your car. And I'm like, is this a direct correlation from Tommy G? Like, you know, I don't know if it is, but I'm just saying, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I was thinking about that. Cause I mean, I think you got to
1: step up and take responsibility when you need to. So it's like, did I unintentionally help millions of dollars worth of Kias get stolen? Like it, it is possible. And so I think the thing would be just to be careful the next time, but it's like, I don't know if I'm interviewing a drug dealer and he's showing how to make crack, do I edit that out? Or do I keep that in there? Like, I don't know. Like you guys tell me like as a journalist, what do you think makes sense? Do you show everything raw or is there certain stuff? It's like, Well, you just showed someone how to make crack and that's not a good, like, what what do you guys think?
2: And I know in terms of like the Kia, uh, the Kia stealing, that was already available on YouTube, right? Yeah. They'd already done a 10,000. So I feel like, you know, if, if you were to make that video either way, like if someone wanted to learn, yeah, they see that they can look it up. Right.
0: And I mean, that's the same idea. I mean, you know, there's the anarchist cookbook. Right. So like, there's there's like there's avenues to do these things right so i don't i think it was a great thing to show you know them talking about it because once again you just show or you just kind of mentioned it that intellect if it went if it didn't go to the stealing keys it could go to making a business it could go to and maybe later on in life he's gonna have some consequences he might have to face with later on if he looks back on that video and see that you were just trying to be a genuine dude, just trying to share his story, you was trying to, in a lot of ways, you're trying to look out for them. Yeah. He could say, dude, I could change, you know, I could change this up. I could be somebody else. So I think-, I think as a journalist, you should, that was cool on keeping it in. I think it was like crazy that for all the clips that you had in your documentary, right? The news decided to pick the, the tutorial.
1: Yeah, so yeah, like, it's amazing how many news stations pick that up too i went from never being contacted by a newspaper in my entire life to like uh i think nbc national cnbc national all and then all these local like dallas fort worth columbus like all over the country people were picking it up and asking can i use that particular clip sure and i guess if anything positive is from that clip it shows how quickly they do it and how easy it is to do and I also wonder, like, it, the CEO of Kia, do you feel like he's that that has to be on his radar? Like, I wonder what. Sales oh yeah, no, no mad. doubt. Did that video like lower their stock by a percentage? Who knows? Like, I, I'd be curious to know what the impact
0: has been on them. And hopefully, it's the impact that it for change so that they could change up how they work all their cars because it, you know, it is rampant though just in general. Um, but I feel like it did originate in, like around your area for the most part i'm not milwaukee sure
1: Milwaukee will claim that title but i know that there recently was an internet beef between st louis and milwaukee fighting over who invented stealing it first and i got like <laughs> some different magazines or like st louis magazine or like there's white there's um uh whitewater no no um what's the name the hype house the, the hype house channel was like you guys need to comment on this i'm like i'm not gonna join in the fight of who st- is stealing the car first
0: you know mm-hmm. yeah without a doubt
2: um, so one thing I really liked about that video is like you're getting every point of view, you know, and you're getting deep into each side, and that's why I'm also just still going on on like you know keeping everything because you're just keep you get, uh, you're keeping everyone informed, keeping everyone aware because like you know you could say all the uh, negative things coming out of it, but also you're showing people like this is how easy it is, this is what you know you're risking in a way uh having like a <laughs> kid yeah one thing that i was
1: just thinking about today was like i've had people turn down doing a video with me because they've seen other videos on my channel and i hope it doesn't become where i can't get like i'm not gonna say the quote unquote good guy but like i want everyone to feel comfortable speaking with me and i think it's kind of funny like because i've approached like the criminal side in such a humanizing way i've scared away some other people from even wanting to talk to me which i think i'm um, hmm, like i just i guess it kind of makes sense like i was going to do a i was going to film a ketamine experience with a doctor in milwaukee and then he's he's like oh yeah i'm all about it and then he looked up my channel He's was like sorry your channel is too wild for me we can't be associated i was like oh.
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know so i don't, I don't want to lose that many opportunities but also what what's calling to me is like if i can jump into a crazy situation i'm gonna do it
0: also you just you have a variety like i say again so like um experiments when you when you were like i'm about to go homeless for on awful amount of hours or on awful amount of time that's a whole like you know that's a whole thing obviously that, that's been done on youtube before but seeing tommy g do it right after seeing them you know and everybody else then people grow like rapport with you they're like okay i'm excited to see what's about to happen next you know what i'm saying i'm excited to see uh you know whatever the hell you're about to do the wrestling like the hundred dollars to uh if you beat me like you know is that ever gonna come back like that yeah,
1: actually i have it on my whiteboard right now the thousand dollar takedown i'll up in the money now i think i'm gonna do a thousand dollar takedown challenge in miami
2: okay um,
1: so but yes that's one thing that i'm really happy about with my channel is the the variety that's coming out like in the vault right now we have pimps and prostitutes we have Uh, getting guns pointed at us by Mexican police when they no-knock raid a house that we're in. I have an interview with a bunch of Hasidic Jews in New York, which I don't know if you've seen those guys with the fur hats and like they have the special cool hair. Yeah, I just really want to poke my way into communities that are hard to access. So like I'm really trying to access Amish people. That's really tough. I'm really trying to get into the neo-Nazi or KKK. That's really tough. I'm trying to get into biker gangs, but like one of their first rule, like a motorcycle gang is like no filming of our club so the more i can get access into places that are really hard to get access to me like that's really really exciting and um something i want to keep on doing
0: so do you get access like mainly through instagram or like is that like the main avenue most i would say 80 percent or more of
1: the ideas i get are from people dming me on instagram and be like hey yo i'm in new york i got i do dirt bike stuff and i can take you to this abandoned building or hey i'm uh i'm on the texas mexico border we can interview a guy a rapper named hostage we can talk to illegal immigrants so or i'll call them and i'll brainstorm like if they'll usually come to me with like one idea and then once i have that one idea locked in every time i travel i like to get three to six videos per location so it's like okay what else is in atlanta that i can branch out to and then i'll start building the the list but a lot of these, because they're dangerous, I don't do it without a contact. And the contact makes it uh, really smooth. Like uh, there's one in Pennsylvania. I'm actually releasing it in about four hours uh, walking the most dangerous hood in, in Philly. And th- Ooh, Philly, this guy, tough. yeah, Philly is tough. And I I found out like just before this, like this, this weekend that the block I was on just got raided. Like police just showed up, started taking guns. Cause I think someone put on Snapchat, himself with a gun and that was enough to get a warrant and so like these places are the real deal and i only get access because
0: i have people that are friendly and willing to take me in now my question to you and this is a serious question so you got the access you got the access from your connect what about like the connects you know other people like well, how do you feel about that is are they warned are they like yo i'm bringing a camera or is it just like any given Wednesday you showing up and you know what I'm saying
1: I for sure plan it out usually like three to four months in advance like I'll book the tickets and I'll you know and then I'll talk to him here and there like I like to screen people too because I've had it where I showed up to a a trap house and the guy was completely fronting and it was a total waste of time And I spent like four hours in the car that day for nothing and so it's like oh you a fentanyl show me you know or yeah Or oh you're on the block like let me look at your instagram and see what you do so i facetime people i call them i multiple times and then like the month leading up the week leading up i'm in contact and then so they know and a lot of times they know too that it's an opportunity like for a lot of these rappers they're like okay like i'm gonna show out with my boys because who knows this might get a million views and that
0: you know is could be really good yeah when we started what's out uh we started out like just interviewing artists and we had a we had an artist here named uh, Kobe Bin Laden and we scheduled a uh we scheduled a interview with him and the day before we were gonna yeah the day before we were about to meet he got shot he's alive still but he got shot so we're like okay and that we I was gonna be like we scheduled that to be our first interview because we were a fan of his music and we're like we want to interview this guy um So I definitely get that. I haven't been able to do an interview like straight up like that. So what advice would you give to myself and to other creators? And, uh, you know, I guess scouting is number one, like making sure, you know, what would you say? I would say,
1: like, I can definitely tell the people, tell the difference between people that say that actually enjoy watching my stuff and want me to be there. And they actually view me as a guy that they can have a good conversation with. And I can just feel the difference between people that are just like, they don't give a shit about me. They've never seen a video besides one. And they just see it as an opportunity. Cause I got, dude, so many rappers since the Certified Trapper video came out in Milwaukee, like so many Milwaukee rappers and then rappers around the country, like, yo, come to my block or, or some like aggressively tell me like, yo, you finna interview me next dude. And like, (laughs) i'm like ah no no thank you you know and you don't want to piss some of these guys off but it's but like the trapper in chicago was like dude i love your channel i love what you do i'd love to have you at the trap house and it's like oh like that feels like a warm welcome rather than just like show up you little bitch and let's see what happens it's like oh god you know like so make sure they're good genuine people because i think they could be a trapper. They could be a, they could even be a shooter. They could be a gangster or whatever. And you can tell if they're a good, they have a good heart on them. And, and then I think talking to them multiple times is good. And then also like when it feels sketchy, listen to your gut. Like when it's time to leave, you leave when it's time to like, maybe there's a, a time where it's, you got to pass on the opportunity. Like you pull up to the block and you can just feel like, eh, something doesn't feel right here. But I would say, in both of our shoes because we just tell people a story and we talk to them most people want to share their story so i think most people want to give us a good impression most people want to take care of us most people want to show us a good time you know
0: did you ever figure out uh did you ever figure out that uh whole gang sign thing in st louis when it was so was that like was that confirmed that they were actually throwing up gang signs and dissing and and their this? so i
1: haven't done a lot of research but i know that crunching twos is offensive to some group okay Um, and i think i i probably should look this up but um that was kind of crazy to think that these kids like i know to them it was a total joke and i don't think anyone took me seriously in it right but doing something that gets people killed is like why did you guys ask me to do that like that wasn't really cool you know
0: Yeah, one of my uh, teammates, small little white kid, threw up a gangster disciple uh, sign. Just, I think it was on like a regular kid's uh, like Instagram. And then they shared it on their like own, like, I don't, you know, like group pages and like, look at this white kid, LMAO. Like they were clowning, but they were also like, he disrespecting. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I was wondering. I'm like, yeah, I was, I was like, dude, he really just threw up that you know and people I,
2: people think that's a joke. Do
1: you guys know the the meaning behind crunching twos?
0: So is twos like a squad or a, nah, no, i have no idea.
1: I don't know because like yeah so I, okay so I I still need to figure it out but um I made it a point in the video to pan away and explain like look I had no idea what I was doing and I even said sorry to like the leader of the other squad like sorry Mister Thirty Deep grimy like I didn't mean anything you know and in yeah. fact. That guy that I I guess I dissed his crew, I was supposed to meet up with him for that video, anyways, but he bailed last minute. And so I had no idea that I was talking to people that want like don't like him, you know.
0: Yeah. Um, what would you say was your most fun experience? You have like a most fun experience, or are they all like just up there?
1: Each trip, there's at least a couple that are just like we just have like an hour or so after in the car kind of euphoria of like, how did we pull this off? Like getting how that gunpoint by Mexican police definitely wasn't the funnest, but like the feeling afterwards was like we were just so giddy with laughter. And so like happy to be back in American soil after that happened, just like anytime we pull something off, that's like, like the the tunnel of Las Vegas, the driving through like 30 red lights with the dirt bike squad in New York. Um, being in the most dangerous i mean a lot of them dude are like oh it's almost like the most recent one is your favorite one you know
0: i feel that and yeah.
1: it just feels good to be doing stuff that i want to try and pull off videos that only a handful of people can pull off you know like if, if it was i don't want it to be like anyone could show up with a camera and do this like i want it to be You're like definitely promising. succeeding yeah well thank you thank you but let's see most fun they're all dude. I love my job. I'm finally in a job that I enjoy and I'm passionate about. And I see where it's going. I just, I feel I'm just very lucky and thankful to
0: be where I'm at. So I'm I'm a happy man. Great to hear. Great to hear. Uh my dad is uh, he just got a Harley. So he was he just joined this Harley, you know, uh, you know, Harley group. Mm-hmm. And when we was watching the uh when we were watching the bike, the New Yorkers in the bike. He goes, we actually do that same thing where they scout, you know, off to the different sides and make sure. But I, he's like, well, you know, we don't go on the opposite road or on the opposite side of the road. But even you driving on it, were you just like what in the world? And then my dad also was gonna ask. He wanted me to ask you, did you did you do the James Bond license plate type thing? Like you know? oh, that would have been good. No, um I may or may not have used duct tape on my license plate. Okay. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was a, that was a dope video. Um, uh, and, and my dad was like, I'm learning stuff from just watching this too. So very dope. How would you say, what would you say the grinding mindset from wrestling, um, through, you know, from 10, 10 years old onward, how does that relate to being a full-time content creator?
1: Well, I think like the type of stuff I make is very time intensive. Like I know YouTubers that don't to me are very low effort low work ethic folks but i think most of the guys that are at the top of the food chain put a lot a lot of time into it and so like my life is most of the time i'm here in milwaukee and i i run i do real estate here and i do youtube and so it's like oh i gotta walk through at 10 for property okay now i gotta go back edit for two hours okay now i have to work on this merch thing it's just very I get to pick up things and like, I don't have to do something for 10 hours straight, but I get to always have something new in my hands to, to do. And um, like on some of my trips too, like the first night we were in Texas, we f- we woke up in Milwaukee at 5 a.m., got to Texas by 4 p.m., waited on these games to rappers, filmed with them until 1 a.m., then drove to the border town until 3 a.m., woke up, went to Mexico, got guns pointed at us, did all this, finished the night by meeting with coyotes and then went to sleep about 10, 11. Like, I don't, like sometimes we do 14 hour days, 20 hour days, 10 hour days. Like we definitely, we hustle on these trips. And so, um, and I'm just so lucky to have this squad. I do. I got uh, these guys that are just tenacious and like they're, they love it too. They love um, like getting into the mix. And like when we walk out, untouched it's just like holy shit
0: dude like that that was crazy yeah yeah. without a doubt so you got your squad you're working heavy uh question about real estate what got you into real estate what advice would you give to young people who are thinking about real estate i think that's a huge market that a lot of young people really want to get into yeah so i was doing the day job
1: and i met with a home health care um owner and she's like hey My boyfriend, Bendel, just got into real estate. He has a listing you might want to see. So I walked this four-unit building and I was like, let's do it. Like I was say, I'd lived with my aunt and uncle for a year and I just lived like a monk. Like I didn't party, I didn't do anything. So I just saved up some money and I pulled the trigger on it. And I definitely fell on my face a few times. Like I did some stupid stuff. Like I just, I didn't know what I didn't know. So, uh, but now I'm in, uh, I got a. A partner that we and him have a portfolio together, maybe thirty doors right now, and we're looking to expand that to fifty or sixty. And then um, I do some wholesaling in real estate, and I think it's the best, one of the best outlets you can get into. Because I, I think most people want to be financially independent, and owning a piece of real estate that cash flows each month and gains uh, equity as you go on—I mean, it's a no-brainer. You just have all these little poker chips on the board and it might take you two or three years to save up for your first property, but then in another year you can get another. And then another year you get another. And all of a sudden, if you want every six months, you, every three months you're buying another property. And I would say, so one is how I bought my first property is I took my landlord at the time out for a coffee. And I asked him, Hey, how does this deal deal look to you? How should I go about it? And uh, the other thing is I would recommend everyone to use their FHA loan. So, it's a first time homeowner's loan and you only have to put three and a half percent down. So if the house is 100K, you need to save up like three and a half grand to buy it, which that's in reach. And that's how I bought my first property. And uh, I would just say, you got to make the jump. Like It seems very scary, but if you talk to a couple people that have real estate and they think you're making a good decision, probably is. And then always live below your means. Because I think people that are very materialistic have the tendency to look rich, but be very poor. So even if you're making 30K a month, but you're spending 35K a month, like you're broke because you're not making good choices. So I would say always have cushion because things are going to happen. You're going to get a call. I could get a call in two minutes and say, hey, Tom, a furnace just went out and I got to have five grand to go fix it. So um, always have a cushion. Uh, I I like to have a six month fund of like, if I just got paralyzed and I couldn't pay, I couldn't work for six months and I have enough to pay my bills. And then everything beyond that is invested because that's going to make me, uh, you know, have fuck you money. And who knows? I think YouTube can last a long time, but maybe people don't find what I do interesting in a year and I'm going to need another way to make money. So I'm going to grow that portfolio. So I never have to go back to some office and want to shoot myself, you know, I feel that bro. I feel that you still wrestling. I coach, I coach takedown Tuesdays, uh, actually tonight at the jujitsu gym. Uh, I did, I ran a a little kid program. They were, it was like five-year-olds to 12-year-olds and it was so much fun, but right now I don't have the time to really coach. So, um, but I do train, I train jujitsu. I try and go five to six nights a week. And, um, I just try and stay in shape, man.
2: So what's it like having uh, this YouTube channel and then you're dealing with a lot of, uh, different people in your other interests and uh, work through, you know, coaching and, uh, real estate. You have like, uh, you know, either your wrestlers coming up to you being like, Oh, I saw you in this video, this and that. And then like coworkers seeing them, what are their opinions, what are their perspectives? What do you get from that?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's really in the last five months is when it's, this has been happening, but it's been a lot of fun. And, you know, a lot of people that jujitsu gym know what I do and they're very encouraging and supportive. And like, I'll just, you know, I'll be walking a property where like, you know, the agent would be taking me through or the manager will be taking me through and the tenants like, Oh, you Tommy Jean is like, yep. Yep. And so it's like, it's then it starts off a good conversation and it's fun. Like, it's fun to be in all these different pockets. And I think because I treat people well, that like no one ever like sees me and then starts shitty on me. Like you're a douchebag, you're an asshole whatever. So uh, largely it's been a big help and a big door opener for the things I do. Although I think it's nice that nothing I do is corporate or like official, because I think that would hurt me. Like, um, like I got fired from my job in February and then they found out about my YouTube channel. And they acted like I was the biggest piece of shit. That was my impression from them.
2: I got two questions. Oh. oh, yeah. Well, I'll just go real quick. But, like, being around uh, uh, all these people, all these different people from such different walks of life, like, how does that uh, change your viewpoint on, like, your community uh, in terms of, like, just a local sense or even as far as, like, a nation, nationwide sense? And I was going to
0: piggyback off that what are you learning about people? That was exactly the same question Yeah. What are you learning about people?
1: Uh, I would say that almost everyone has a story to tell. And I think everyone thinks they're a good person and they're like, given what they view their situation, their option that they think that they're making the right moves. Um, But I love, like, I felt like I was a guy that like, I never could be put in a box. Like I wasn't the, the athlete with the jocks, but I wasn't the nerd either. And I wasn't, you know, so I was always kind of like intermingling and across groups. And so it feels good to have access to so many different interesting and new people. And um, I would say what's taught me the most about people has been really eye opening has been real estate because you walk, you know, I've walked dozens and dozens of houses in Milwaukee and it's like, holy shit, man, like some people. Just operate by different standards. Um, I, are you guys readers at all? Do you guys like reading books?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: There's a book called Evicted that was written about Milwaukee, and it's basically like the landlord tenant scene. And, you know, it's like one out of nine single moms are evicted every year, and what it does to neighborhoods mm-hmm. and why neighborhoods are so chaotic because before it was like you knew who's on your block, and now it's like it just is a deck that keeps on reshuffling. But I guess what blows my mind is how different. People live like you can walk into one house where like an old lady keeps it immaculate immaculately and it's so clean and fresh and then you walk into the next house and people like use their carpet as a cigarette tray there's like used baby diapers on the ground there's bugs and shit and it's like they would rather call the landlord and be like hey i've got bugs and i got mice than just clean their fucking kitchen and um And just like the condition that uh, like, I guess this is a recent comparison I made is I was asking this Mexican rapper who he grew up in Houston. So he's had a taste of America for a long time, but he did stuff that got him deported uh, two or three times. Like he kept coming back, getting deported and kept coming back and doing more crime. And he's just like, dude, even the hoods in America are paradise compared to a lot of other places. Mm. And he's like, the fact that people get, they get their section eight, they get their food stamps, they get their this and that. Like in Mexico, you just go hungry. And it, it gave me per, like perspective on, wow, like, I think America could be way better. But also we have a pretty good here. Like, yes, there's so many things that we could be mad about and get upset about. I, I agree. But it's like when you compare it to some other places, it's like, man, we do have like You can go up to Biden or Trump and say, fuck you, to his face, and nothing will happen to you. You can go up to a sheriff or a police officer and say, fuck you, pig, and nothing happens to you. Other places, you just disappear. And right. so like, our freedom of speech is a, a very cool thing that we have here.
0: I, ha- I actually had a shower thought probably like last week. Um Good place to have the, thoughts. Yeah, the fact that I got running water and electricity, I'm like more than most of the other world. I got more than most of the other world. So yeah. when I when I'm thinking of it, that's more of a perspective and a paradigm like shift. It's like if you think like your life is crappy or whatever, <laughs> like most people don't got running water. A lot of people don't got electricity. You know what I'm saying? So be grateful for what the things that you have. And here in America we got it great. My last yeah. question to you is where do you think this society is heading as you see as you get to see people in, in, in this society Where do you see this heading?
1: I am definitely an optimist by nature, but I am not particularly optimistic about America right now. I think politically on both sides, we are very messed up and have kind of the wrong, the wrong mindset. And uh, I just, hmm, am I optimistic? I think, the thing about being a pessimist or or being negative about something is it spreads like a cancer. Like if you have a pure bottle of water, if you even put one drop of shit or blood or you sneeze in it, the whole thing is tainted. Like negative things spread so much faster than positive things do. And I feel like the morale of the country is in a low place and it's hard to get out of that rut. Like historically what's gotten out out of that rut are shared conflict wars yes yeah. I, mean, I don't want another one of those and i don't even know if that would help at this point because i think our mindset would be such it'd be like more like vietnam than 9-11 we'd be like well why the hell are we doing this again
0: yeah it's so in gloom.
1: i think i think this i think we very much have the potential to be way better than we've ever been but it's all going to be if we can encourage each other if we can show each other the right paths because there's, I, I I literally believe that anyone that wants to be can be a millionaire, anyone that wants to be can be successful. I feel like it's a skill set and a mentality. And they just have you just, you just need enough time and to act on those things. But I think one thing that does frighten me is uh, like going crazy woke frightens me like anything that hinders on freedom of speech, I think is a really bad idea. As far like, I think the fact that republicans and democrats and whoever's in that like people like me that are in between and don't feel like they're part of either camp the fact that we can't reasonably just get together and be like here's the problem what are the best solutions instead it's always like me versus you and it's like why are we talking like this why don't we like hey uh the the problem is immigration let's let's draw on a board like seven ideas that how can we make this how can we make the immigration system better? How can we make the countries that are affected, like the reason that the people are leaving for a reason? So how can we make economic stability better in those countries so they don't want to leave? How can we open up opportunities here? Like, it's just like a marriage. Like, it's never me versus my wife. It's we're on the mm-hmm. same side at the table. Here's the issue. How can we make this better? And I feel like we've lost that ability. And if, if we don't figure it out, we're just going to keep descending into chaos and madness and shit.
0: i get you on that so more about innovation looking for solutions of problems rather than just barking about the problems um congratulations by the way on being recently married congratulations dog thank you beautiful and my last question to you and Corey probably have a question too uh what is your advice for the youth in general my advice
1: is find the things that you are passionate about find a way to monetize a couple of them because then you're never going to feel like you're working you're just going to be able to do what you love i would say always invest into your skill set and your crafts and take the time to figure yourself out like go for walks in the woods and take a trip somewhere by yourself um and read read and be curious about the world because i think each person has a unique little light that shines in them but you have to take the risk to discover it and you have to take the time to discover it and um that they if they want a better future that they have responsibility in that because like you know it always looks like it's a ripple effect like if i make a better life for me then i make a better life for my family and then that ripples into my neighborhood my community my city my state my country it always goes outward like that and so uh invest in yourself and take the time to get to know yourself that's what i would say
2: it's great advice man and uh yeah i'll close out with um you you don't have to go into detail because i know this probably something you don't want everybody knowing, know but do you have any uh big like overarching goals uh in the youtube outside of youtube that you are just really just itching to like put out there
1: yeah i would say i want to do an international trip in 2023 i guess i just did mexico but like a, like england or guatemala somewhere really out there um I want to buy three houses for my own portfolio in 2023 and really uh, like by the time I have kids, I want to be rock solid. I want to be, no one can touch me financially and I never have to get a job and I want to just keep challenging myself to make better and better documentaries and be able to look at myself in the mirror and be like, yo, like this editing wasn't that good or this shot wasn't that good and just really put together well done pieces. So, um, and be consistent once a week, every week, I'm coming at you with something crazy or interesting or unique, and I'm going to just keep building that platform. And I would say the last one is probably, probably launch a podcast in 2023. Um, that, that'll probably be on the list too.
2: Great. Great
0: to hear Hey, You're already on the way for your goals of 2023. Shout out to Tommy G everyone go to his website tommygmcgee.com you could get the gorilla gang products big dogs gotta eat he showed you the ski mask earlier he's got caps he's got a whole bunch of different gear check out tommy g's youtube channel thank you tommy g for your time we really appreciate it bro
1: hey i appreciate you guys keep making moves and spreading the the love and uh i'll see you guys in another
0: another episode okay Word. Peace Peace out.